Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. Wow, I love that song, and uh, what, a, what a prayer, what a desire we should have as individuals, as uh, you should have as a church, the developing those kind of homes, and I'm so thankful that uh, Debbie and I have had the opportunity to be able to spend a little bit of time with you trying to, to strengthen that purpose, that God would give us those kind of homes. Thank you for the kindness that's been expressed to us. Ruth, you are amazing. Uh, I just thank you for all you've done in the communicating, and I don't know who did all the booklets and the bulletin, I don't know all that stuff, but I just, uh, as a, a former pastor myself, I understand there's a lot of people that uh, work to make this all possible. And so I thank you all, but most of my communication was with Ruth, so I uh, want to thank her personally. And uh, boy, we've enjoyed fellowship with your pastor and his wife, uh, We've known them, but we haven't really known them. Does that make sense to you? We've known them and met them, but we, we've had time to really get to know them this time. And I love his pastor's heart. I love uh, his desire to uh, reach this community and the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that you're committed to Christian education. You've heard a little bit about my background and how uh, passionate I am about Christian education. I'm so thankful for all those teachers are serving in the trenches. And then you'll not know how few places we get the chance to go where we appreciate the music. Have you traveled much? There are times when I'm getting up to preach uh, after somebody has sang and I just want to get the spirit back somehow by just asking everybody to stand and sing Amazing Grace or something because I just... Ugh, you know, some of the things I've had to preach after, um, and I, I'm not going to name any churches. I don't want you to, but it's been so refreshing and such a blessing um, to be, be here and to be encouraged and challenged uh, by the scriptures. Remember, Colossians 3.16 says we're to uh, let the word of Christ dwell us in richly, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And all I've heard here has been spiritual songs, and I know good people disagree, I understand all that, but there's so many things we don't disagree about that why throw them into the church and get some people upset? I just say stick with what you know is uh, for sure a spiritual song. And uh, from our experience here, of course, you could have put all the other stuff away because you knew the Herbsters were coming. I don't know. But uh, we've been encouraged. And boy, to sing the, see the choir full this morning, seeing the choir full tonight, the orchestra, um, music is so important in the lives of believers, and, and we do still have some music. Well, you've been taking advantage of the music. I thought maybe with Mark and Mike being here, you had all the CDs, but uh, many of you have stopped by, and we'll be there after the service again tonight to, uh, to uh, avail you of some of the good music our family has put together. When you sang the first song this morning, that was the first CD they ever did, Be Strong in the Lord. And I tell you, that CD that has... Um, uh, Ron Hamilton, Tim Fisher, uh, and uh, Mac Lynch, along with our three sons. Uh, there's so many medleys on there of the songs that those three men have written. Uh, just one of my favorites. So just so, so thankful that many of you have uh, gotten that as well. You're going to enjoy those and 
Uh, they give you also then how you can get to the website. And I reminded the folks at the couples retreat, and my son at uh, Southland would want me to also tell you that you can uh, go to Southland Christian Camp or Southland Christian Ministries, and you can find about music there because they're trying to be a clearinghouse for conservative music. But uh, also, uh, Southland uh, has music services as another name that you can Google and you can find Southland Musical Services and uh, find uh, how you might be able to uh, continue to have that kind of music in your home and in your ministries. Thank you for all you've done to make this such a special weekend for us. Now, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. He skips in, okay, what am I, where are we going this time? Uh, and by the way, Ephesians 4 even comes before Ephesians 5. Aren't you glad you came back tonight so you can get all of this in? Of course, you know the book of Ephesians, the first you know, three chapters are the great doctrinal truths. And of course, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But don't forget uh, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created unto good works. We're not saved by works, but we're saved to work, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And obviously, a lot of you are in the work of the ministry here at Tri-City. But I want to go to the end of the chapter where it starts in verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now what we talked about in the morning service this morning about being filled with the Spirit, those three verses are again in another outline that you could use to talk about continuing to walk in the Spirit so you don't give in to the lust of the flesh. Put off the old man, put in the Word of God, and to put on the new man. Find out what the Bible says and do it. You, you put off that worldly man, you put in the, the Word of God, and you live the, the, the Spirit-minded man. And we need to make sure that we uh, practice that. And then starting verse 25 and going through the end of the chapter, I submit to you there's at least five biblical truths here that deal with communication. Communication. Do you ever have problem with communication? Have you ever been listening to somebody uh, talk and you really weren't listening? Uh, ha have you ever had your wife say, you're not listening to me, even though your head's going up and down? Have you ever said to your children, you're not listening to me? Um, and by the way, my problem is, I usually will say, yes, I am. But the problem is then my wife puts me to the test and then she says, what did I just say? <laughs> Anybody else go through this experience in your household? And the problem is I try to fake it sometimes. Come on, anybody else like me? You know, because I didn't want to have to admit that I, I, and I start, and she said, you weren't listening. And then I finally get to that point I needed to be in the first place. I'm sorry, hon, please forgive me. Now, what were you saying? You know, and try to get, get things right with her. But there's, there's five keys, there's five truths and five biblical principles that are given to us here in this passage of scripture that I'm going to share with you tonight. And you have a an outline that gives you blanks for all five of them, so I hope that you'll write them down, even though I've alliterated them, to help, hopefully to help you remember them. 
so that uh, in case you don't have your notes with you, you can at least uh, think, okay, Carl preached on communication. Carl starts with C. Communication starts with C. And all these points are going to start with C. Does that help you? Okay, we'll see how well you do. I'll come back next week and quiz you. No, I won't. But go to, go to verse 25, because now he talks about putting off and putting on that great theme. And he says, wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. He says, like Pat said, and Pat goes uh, to the West, tell the truth. Don't you tell no lies. You just tell the truth till the day you die. And uh, that's good teaching because the, the Bible says liars shall have their place in the lake of fire. Lying is an abomination to the Lord. When I taught my children the problem with lying, I, I said abomination means he hates, 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 hates it. Um, my sons would get an automatic spanking for disobedience, for disrespect, and for dishonesty. And so if they were disobedient and disrespectful in their disobedience and lied about what they did, guess what? That's three cracks right there, man. Because God is a God of truth. You say, tell the truth, T doesn't start with a C. I'm glad you're listening, okay? But here's the word. Our communication should be correct. Our communication should be correct. We should let our yea be yea and our nay be nay. I told you uh, that I went to a secular college. I was a math education major and a PE minor. And in a secular college, as a PE minor, I had to take uh, dance classes. So if any of you need help, I'm, uh, you know, ballroom dancing, square, all that kind of stuff, okay. Uh, And so I had to take dance classes. Now, my wife and I were uh, newlyweds and uh, living not too far from campus, and I was taking dance class, and she'd always ask me when I'd come home from school, Who'd you dance with today? Was she pretty? Now, you have to understand, as baby Christians, as newlyweds and baby Christians, we both had things that we had to deal with. And her problem, she had a problem of jealousy. She was jealous of me being around. Now, I can understand why she'd worry, you know, when you, somebody like me, you know, you can understand why she'd have... Just kidding, but you know, that was, and so I thought the way to solve the problem is to make sure that she knew there was no other pretty girls in that whole school. And so I, oh no, she wasn't pretty, no way, I'm not, Debbie, no, don't, and by the way, I would try to always say, but you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen, why would I even, nobody is pretty compared to you. But eventually, she decided to take a walk over to the school grounds. And uh, where we had the class, it was in our gymnasium. Uh, that when we were having, it was, the gym became a dance floor, and it was kind of down, and there was a track around the top. And so she could walk in, and I wouldn't be noticing. Here I am dancing away, and I go back home and say, Hey, who'd you dance with today? Was she pretty? No, no. Yes, she was. <laughs> 
And can I tell you something? Once you're caught in one lie, you lose all trust. You lose all trust. I mean, you, you, you have to build up trust again. We need to be truthful. We need to be correct. We need to be honest. Boy, as I work in Washington, D.C., you know the people that I really do appreciate much more than some of the others, even though they're not to my position, when they tell me the truth. I don't agree with you, Dr. Herbster. I'm not going to vote for that. I'd much rather them tell me that than, oh, yeah, you can count on me. And then when I look at the board when the vote takes place, they do just the opposite of what they said to me. Surely you don't have any government officials in Arizona like that. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> uh, but what, how does that make you feel about them? You see, we need to make sure our communication is correct. That we always are speaking the truth. Whether it's with our spouse, whether it's with our children, whether it's with our, our co-laborers at our place of work, we need to speak the truth. My wife sometimes will say when we're on our way to church, how's, how's my hair look? Now, of course, with Debbie, the hair always looks nice. But there are times when it's not quite right, and I, I look at my watch, and, you know, I'm a, a, a prompt freak, and I have to say it's fine. By the way, I've learned that fine is a non-committal word that gets me out the door sometimes, all right? But I've learned even if there's something there, I, I should say, hon, hey, there's some standing up up here. You know, let's see what, and, and you know what? She appreciates me much more, right? You appreciate me much more today, right? When I, when I actually tell her that I see something because she doesn't want anybody else to see it. Just tell the truth. Don't tell lies. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Look at verse 26. Verse 26 says, be angry and sin not. Now, I'm not preaching on that, but righteous indignation. In other words, when we are upset about something, we're angry about what's going on in our society. We're angry about what's even happening in our own life. But don't lose control. Don't, uh, because the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And so always be under uh, your control in that regard. But he goes on and he says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. If you're upset, get it taken care of. So here's the, the C for number two. Our communication should be current. Our communication should be current. Now, I don't think I have to make you turn to the two passages of Scripture in the Bible that talk about when you have problem with somebody, Matthew chapter 18, you have aught with a brother. Okay, you're all staring at me like, okay, I'm going to make you turn to it. Because you're, you're kind of like, oh, I'm not sure I know what he's talking about. Go back to Matthew chapter 18. I want to make sure you write these down because that we have a responsibility to deal with issues when they come up. Matthew chapter 18, start, starting verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, Go and tell him his fault between thee and him. What's the next word? Alone. This is not something you 
you talk to others about. You don't call the pastor and say, do I need to talk to this person that I'm upset with? <laughs> no, but God's already answered that question. You don't have to call the prayer chain and please pray for so-and-so. They've offended me. No, 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 you don't have to do that. Bible tells you what you're supposed to do. When you have aught with somebody, go and, and take care of it. And, and gain your brother. But if, if he will not hear you, then take to you two or three witnesses, two or three more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. If he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, which is the, the beginning of church discipline in a church. But the whole bottom line is, if you have issues with somebody, take care of it. Have communicate about it. Apologize. Seek forgiveness, whatever it might be. Go over to Matthew chapter 5. We'll, we'll show you the other one too, just so that you can write it down. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberst that thy brother hath aught against thee. Now, this is the other side. It's not you have aught with somebody, but you know that somebody has aught with you. Man, as a pastor, I would sometimes have somebody tell me, do you know so-and-so is upset with you? Do you know so-and-so is thinking about leaving the church? Do you know so-and-so didn't like uh, the way you ignore them? So-and-so, you know, all these. And if I know that there's somebody that has an issue with me, you know what my responsibility to do is? Get in contact with them. Call them. Meet with them. Do whatever I have to do. The Bible says, as much as lies within you, live at peace with all men. By the way, that gives us a little break because there's some people, you know, it's uh, just about impossible to live at peace with no matter what you try to do. I have still have some people offended with me. I'm not offended with them. They're offended with me. But as far as I know, it still hasn't been taken care of, but I've done everything I know to take care of it. I've talked to them and, and sought to reconciliation. And, and this is for all of us as Christians, but can you imagine how important it is for us to do this in our household? In our family, you know, you're, you're looking at your wife and you say, "Hun, what's bothering you?" And she goes, "Nothing. Nothing bothering me." I'll, I'll, we'll go back to first point, right? Um, be be correct, because we as men may not be as perceptive as you as women, but when you're scowling at us, saying nothing. And basically, you're saying, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. Well, how are we going to know if you don't tell us, ladies? Men are dense. You have to take a two-by-four to, not literally, but you know, you sometimes have to, you know, just spit it out, spell it out, and, and let us take care of it. It's, it's like at night sometimes, you know, when you're doing back-to-back -back Cold War combat. You know, you've never been through this? How long have you been married? You know, you're saying, you know, I wonder when she's going to apologize to me. She's saying, I wonder when he's going to tell me he was wrong. I wonder how long I have to lay here before he's going to get this right. And are you all looking so, you don't know what spiritual discussions in a Christian home are. You know, we don't fight in Christian homes, but sometimes we have some spiritual discussions, but sometimes we also have back-to-back -back Cold War combat, right? Uh, men, who's the leader of the home? 
Men, who's the leader of the home? According to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23, who's the head of the home? Uh, and so therefore, if you're the head of the home, you have responsibility to make sure everything's going on well in your home, right? Oh, ladies, you're going to like this. So who needs to apologize first? Me. Me. Getting it right. One of the reasons my wife and I like to pray together before we go to bed every night, there's a lot of reasons we like to pray together every night before we go to bed. But one of the reasons is it's pretty hard to pray together if you have aught with each other. You have to get it worked out so that you can really, and sometimes when we have differences of opinion, sometimes it, we have to communicate to God about it because Lord, we're, we're struggling here. We're not, and so our prayer before we go to bed is Lord, help us to uh, come to a reconciliation and then help us come to a common mind in that. And by the way, sometimes when you just get a good night's sleep, you notice how much better the communication is the next morning. All of a sudden, uh, She's apologizing to me. I'm apologizing to her. I was stubborn. No, I was stubborn. No, you know, and so now we're arguing about whose fault it was now because we're one of, we want to take the blame. But I'm just telling you, communication is important and we need to deal with things when they come up and we shouldn't let the sun go down upon our wrath. And we need to make sure that we deal with issues on a daily basis. Our communication must be current. And let me just add to that, we need to make sure we have current conversation too. Don't allow yourselves to be apart and not communicate with each other. And even in my travels, my wife and I love, I love to talk, she loves to text. So we do both. She texts me and I call her and talk to you and say, hey, uh, what do you mean by this text? I went to, <laughs> I sneak up on her, it's what I do. But we need to make sure that our communication is current. And then go down, if you would, to verse 29. This is a verse, if you're having trouble with the tongue, remember I talked about memorizing verses? This is a good one to memorize. Let no commun corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. How much corrupt communication is supposed to proceed out of your mouth? None. How much does? Well, it depends on you. We've all said things we shouldn't have said. But we need to make sure that we have our tongues controlled. That we let God control them. Go to James chapter 3, a very familiar passage of Scripture in regard to the tongue. And look what it says in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, teachers, because uh, it's not talking about... Uh, overseers, but it's talking about teachers, people that would teach. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us. We turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a word of world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind." But the tongue can no man tame. 
It is an unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things, read the last phrase with me. It shouldn't be this way. We need to get our tongues controlled. The tongue can no man tame. You can't handle it, but guess what? God can. And he wants to. Because the tongue is a fire. A spouse says, I wish I'd never married you. Oh, man. A parent says, you're, you're so dumb. Oh, terrible. I hate you. Some of the things that could come out of our tongues that can be so damaging and destructive and hard to get over. We need to learn how to control our tongues and, and realize that we have to make sure that we're not destroying with our tongues. We need to make sure they're controlled. And instead of being destructive, number four, we want them to be constructive. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Well, look what it says in verse 29. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We don't want to use our tongues to tear people down and destroy them. We want to use our tongues to build people up and encourage them. All of us need encouragement. All of us need a good word fitly spoken, how sweet it is. And we have to be thinking, it seems like, sometimes about constructive words to share where it seems like our sin nature causes us many times to come out with destructive words that can be cutting and can be critical. Um, slander, gossip, all the respectable sins. Have you read that book, The Respectable Sins? There are no respectable sins. All sin is sin. And the tongue is a little member but oh, the damage it can, it, can, it can cause. One of the reasons I like to go through the Proverbs and love to go through it with my sons because it talks so many times about the talebearer, you know, the gossip, and how love covers the matter. Love covers the matter. Well, that takes us to our last point. Because if you notice, and I love verse 31 and 32, so I'm going to give them both to you because it's a put off and put on that we all need. And it affects the tongue. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And read verse 32 with me, would you please, in unison. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be compassionate. Our communication should be compassionate. It should be correct. It should be current. It should be controlled. It should be constructive. And it should be compassionate. Um, we're in Ephesians chapter 4, so all you have to do is go back a few verses in your Bible and look what it says in verse 14 and following. 
that you henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Read verse 15 with me together. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Now, folks, we must speak the truth. How do we know what's the truth? John 17, 17, thy word is truth. But we must speak the truth in love. I grew into fundamentalism. I didn't grow up in it. You, you understand what I'm talking about when I say fundamentalism. I'm careful about that terminology in this day and age, especially working in Washington, D.C. Because those are all the hate mongers and the radicals and the extremists and the bomb throwers and all this sort of thing. But I think you all can understand with your great history at this church what I'm talking about. Conservative Christianity that speaks the truth. But sometimes people reject our message, I believe, because of the manner in which we present our message, because of the way we speak. You're, you're a reprobate. You're going to burn in hell. Do you understand? And you deserve to burn in hell. You, you, I, I can tell you, hell couldn't be too hot for you, friend. Now, is it true that there is a hell? Don't, don't get to this point like some people are saying, well, you know, there isn't such a place as hell. Well, then you don't believe the Bible. And hell wasn't created for mankind. It was created for the devils and the angels. Those disobedient angels, the, the demons, the fallen ones. Hell was created for them. But the Bible is very plain. He that hath the Son hath life, and he not, hath not the Son of God hath not life, and the wrath of God abideth on him. Read the last chapters of the book. It encourages me because I know I'm on the winning side. But also remember that the, the devil is going to be cast into the lake of fire. And all of those that are not written in the Lamb's book of life, all those that know not Jesus Christ, hell is real. No question about it. And if you're here tonight without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to spend eternity in hell. And God doesn't want you there. I've, I've had so many people say, why would a loving God send people to hell? And I say, a loving God doesn't send people to hell. You send yourself to hell. A loving God sent Jesus Christ to pay the price for your sins so you didn't have to go to hell. So receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't reject the Lord Jesus Christ so you can go to heaven and not go to hell. But is hell real? Yes or no? And we have to speak the truth, but we can speak the truth in love. And not have people rejecting the message of the Word of God because we're not speaking the truth in love. I, uh, I kind of handpick around the country those people that I allow to be a part of Advance USA to go into the offices of Washington, D.C. to um, talk to them about our Savior and also to talk to them about the righteous cause. Because by long forbearing is the prince persuaded. In other words, you have to be patient. But you also have to be kind. You know, patient and kind. 
our speech should always be with grace. Right? Colossians makes it very plain. Chapter 4 and verse 6, that our, our speech should always be with grace, seasoned with salt. We need to to make sure that we're speaking the truth and love. And you know, if um, I would work to train uh, representatives that are going to Washington, D.C. to uh, be able to uh, intercede on behalf of our country, you know what, I think it'd be good for us to train people in the home to do the same thing with their children and with their spouse. Learn how to speak the truth in love. It was funny because... In the business world, I, I was taught that you should give four compliments for every correction. Anybody else in the business world had some of the business training like I had? And isn't it interesting? We'll learn all, all, right, all this stuff. Down. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that because that's, that's what my boss told me. That's good management. That's good training. That's good people skills. Well, how many compliments have you given to your children lately? Versus how many criticisms have you given to them? How many compliments have you given to your spouse recently versus criticism you've given to your spouse? It can be kind of convicting if we kept, uh, kept track. Uh, and sometimes it's easy for us to quickly criticize, but how easy is it for us to compassionately compliment? I was also taught, some of you have heard of this before, probably, the sandwich approach. How many, any of you ever heard of the sandwich approach? Am I teaching you something you've never heard of? Um, you know that you give a, a compliment, thank them for something, and say, now here's something you might want to work on and correct, but I'm sure glad you're doing this, you know, and give another compliment. And how my wife has uh, heard this enough times that she says to me, just get to the bologna, forget the sandwich, you know, just get, tell me what's, what's on your mind, you know. And, and by the way, after 53 years, we have that kind of relationship where she can say, hey, can I tell you something? And I know, hey, it's, it's probably not going to be, you're the greatest husband in the world. There's something that I've done that's good. And I can do the same thing with her and, because we, we, we know how much we love each other and how much we want to help each other and we have that kind of relationship. So like I say, I just get right to the baloney. <laughs> it's, all, it's all right and she does too. And I, we we want to we communicate to help each other, but we love each other. That's why we do it. Faithful are the wounds of a Friend. A friend. And we need to always make sure that we're speaking the truth and love. Do you see how we've come all the way full circle? Because what are we supposed to speak? The truth. The truth. Tell the truth. Don't you tell no lies. You just tell the truth. Till the day you die. And make sure you're doing it on a regular basis. And, and be controlled in your speech. Be constructive. Don't be destructive. And now abideth faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Speak the truth in love.